Robert Fox of Hobart Filler Metals focuses on the when, where, why, and how of implementing the submerged arc welding process in pipe welding applications. Concepts such as wire composition and flux behavior influence weld metal properties and process performance. Welcome to Bevel Talk. Thanks for joining us. Today we have Rob Fox, welding engineer from Hobart Brothers Filler Metal. Rob, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing all right. How are you? I'm doing great. So I have a couple of topics I want to talk to you about today. I want to talk about our customers that are looking at or thinking about submerged arc welding. And then after we're done with that, I want to talk about why are there so many different types of uh, gas-shielded flux core wires. So let's get right into it. Talk to me about SubArc and why our customers or our listeners should listen to, think about, and jump into SubArc. Yeah, SubArc is a pretty neat process. It's been around for a long time because it does what it does very well. Uh, it allows us to weld at very high currents, it allows us to weld with uh, very high deposition rates because of those high currents. And it allows us to have excellent quality welds because of the flux that shields the weld. So I suggest that people that are welding pipe take a look at submerged arc welding if they're able to roll that pipe out. And it's of the right diameter and wall thickness. So what is that diameter and wall thickness? What's kind of the sweet spot, the minimum diameter and wall thickness? Sure. So you'll actually find that out, out in the kind of larger welding industry that people will do submerged arc welding using incredibly small diameter wires like 045 to repair things like camshafts. So there's really no set bottom limit. But for most applications, anything larger than 8-inch diameter is a potential candidate for submerged arc welding. And usually anything larger than half or 12 inches can uh, be an even better application. Typically, the larger you can go or the larger diameter you run into, the better suited it is for submerged arc welding. Okay, so with submerged arc welding, for those of our listeners that aren't familiar with it, it's a it's a typically a large diameter wire going into a bed of flux that is burned in the arc that provides the shielding gas or the atmosphere for the weld. Um, other than that, wire and flux... What are your main components of a subarc welding system or weld? Sure. So as far as the system goes, submerged arc welding can be done by hand, where you basically have a specialized torch that feeds flux and wire at the same time, just like a gas metal arc welding torch. Um, but the problem with submerged arc welding is while you have that, that uh, arc initiated, you can't really see it because it's covered up with flux. So doing uh, submerged arc welding by hand usually requires a very skilled operator. So out, over 80% of applications, I would estimate, you know, the vast majority use mechanized or automated systems. So the, the mechanization that you use is an important part of the system. So a lot of people use uh, manipulators or side beams in conjunction with their turning rolls. Um, power source is another important aspect. There's a lot of things that you can do. Uh, to modify the penetration characteristics of the weld with just the power source. But I would probably say a lot of the work is done with the wire and flux selection themselves. Okay, so talk a little bit more about that wire and flux selection. Um, 
how do you determine what your combination is? Why do you pick one or the other? Yeah, sure. So, um, you know, the, the flux is what makes submerged arc what it is. And I like to describe the flux as basically being the coating on a stick electrode, but broken off and kind of ground into this, this coarse granular powder. Um, so, you know, we dump that on the weld, it, uh, it melts, it removes impurities by floating up to the top and forming a slag layer. It produces an inert atmosphere, just like using an argon or an argon CO2 gas mix. So it does a lot of work, but uh, it can also do things like shape the weld and influence the mechanical properties. So there's, you know, a lot of different fluxes on the market. There's a lot of different wires on the market too, but with, you know, given, say you use the same wire, say you use an EM12K wire and you put one flux on and another flux on, those welds can look dramatically different. They can have dramatically different penetration characteristics, and they could also have dramatically different mechanical properties. So flux selection is, is very important. Um, so let's start with the wire. Does that sound good? Yep, absolutely. All right. So uh, Submerged Arc's popular choice for both mild steel and low alloy filler metal. Uh, you can get uh, wires ranging from tensile strengths of, you know, 60 KSI all the way up to 120 plus KSI. So uh, mild steel is is really a kind of the bulk of most welding applications. So let's focus there. Uh, your kind of two big choices or your three big choices are an EM12K, an EM13K, and an EH12K wire. And those are AWS classifications, just like when we call a 7018 a 7018, that's its classification. So same with the subarc wires. There's codes and specs that, that talk about subarc only. Uh, so an EM12K wire is, I would probably say, kind of middle-of-the-road choice. Uh, it's got a pretty decent amount of manganese and silicon, which are alloy elements that help uh, remove impurities from the weld. But if you're running into kind of dirty or rusty material, which you know we aren't always running into with pipe because you know, we typically have a bevel on a lot of our thicker sections, so that's a nice cleaned area of the weld. Um, if you need a little bit more cleaning action, you could take a look at an EM13K wire, which is similar to an EM12K, but typically has a little bit more manganese. Um, and silicon. And then another thing that you can consider is an EH12K. So uh, the EH12K has even more manganese and silicon. And the kind of the chemical composition there, it typically provides improved mechanical properties over an EM12K wire. Um, what I found taking a look at our product offering, taking a look at some of the other offerings in the industry, EH12K wires are going to give you a little bit better cleaning action but you spend most of your time looking for better mechanical properties in terms of toughness. Quality welding equipment pairs best with quality filler metals. Miller recommends Hobart filler metals. Hobart is a leader and innovator in the welding industry and has been for over 100 years. Hobart's Ohio and Michigan-based factories manufacture the wires, rods, and cut lengths you need to tackle aluminum, carbon steel, high-strength low-alloy steel, and stainless steel. Whether you are in the shop or in the field, Hobart has an easy-to-use solution that can provide measurable productivity improvements. When you partner with Hobart, you can rely on our knowledgeable team of applications engineers to help you select the best filler metals and optimize their performance for any welding job. 
To learn more about how Hobart filler metals can benefit your welding applications, visit us online at hobartbrothers.com. So what's the biggest difference between an EM and an EH? So if you look at the classification, the EM stands for electrode and then medium manganese level. In the EH, you have an electrode and then high manganese level. So both the EM12 and the EH12 kind of have this, and this is where things get a little abstract. You have kind of a base uh, chemical composition. We'll just call it 12. And then the EH12K is that kind of base composition with more manganese and silicon. And the EM12K is kind of just a, you know, middle of the road manganese and silicon. So they're, they're similar wires, but they have pretty dramatic chemical compositions. And those manganese and silicon levels are important because they're what, you know, help uh, with the bead wetting, how well it wets out, uh, as well as, you know, how it can deal with impurities and strengthen the weld. Okay. So once I've selected my filler metal, um, then what? How do I go about selecting my flux? Uh, the flux is what does most of the work. So flux selection is, is important. And there's a couple terms that we need to be familiar with, uh, such as, you know, neutrality and basicity. We could get into the weeds and talk about the chemical compositions, but what's most important to know is that for the majority of our pipe welding applications, we're looking for a flux that is neutral because we're doing multi-pass welds, and we're looking for a flux with moderate basicity, which helps us balance our mechanical properties with good welding characteristics. So an example of this would be like our SWX120 flux. Compared to some of the other fluxes in our offering, it doesn't have the uh, the best wetting action, and is in you know it's still going to make a very good looking weld, but we typically need to increase our voltage a little bit, and it, it's uh, going to have a little bit more convexity than maybe some of the active fluxes in our offering. Um, when we talk about basicity, uh, that means that it's not going to offer you know the absolute best toughness you can achieve, but it's going to give you the toughness that we're looking for in the application. What I'm hearing and, and what I understand is, you know, you can you can definitely exceed the requirements for a typical weld joint with your wire and flux combination selection, but is that necessarily a good thing to just go as as high strength or or the the best mechanical properties possible for every application? That's kind of an interesting question because, you know, anytime that we increase our strength beyond what we, you know, what we really need, we're going to lose a little bit of ductility. So it's important that we don't choose a wire or flux that alloys our weld too much. And when it comes to toughness, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's nice to have toughness. It's nice to have very good low temperature toughness, really high Sharpie values. But uh, in the world of subarc, when it comes to flux selection, if you select a flux that gives you, you know, these amazing properties at minus 80 or minus 100 degrees Fahrenheit, you might be sacrificing a little bit of your welding characteristics. So that's kind of the trade-off is, you know, what do you need for mechanical properties versus what do you need for welding characteristics? Um, rule of thumb, I say, is take a look at the basicity index on the, on the product data sheet and take a look at the mechanical properties. And you want to select a product that gives you basically what you need. To look at that basicity index and don't go any higher. You don't need anything more. Otherwise, you're going to start losing your welding characteristics. Okay. Perfect. Well, thanks, Robert. Thanks for talking to us about um, submerged shark welding and filler metal and flux selections. Um, that's definitely a rabbit hole that we could travel down into for, for days and days and days. 
Um, so thanks for giving us a, a good base, basic understanding there. Um, please join us next time on Bevel Talk. Thanks for listening.